0: Well, I'm back from my holiday, refreshed and ready to go, and what a treat! A podcast full of wonderful haiku and senryu written just for you. And of course, a couple that weren't. Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the fourth series of this The Haiku P podcast. My name is Patricia, and this month I'm joined by Lynn Jambour, Steve Ullam, and Alex Fife, who will give us their commentaries on poems they've chosen from all the successful original submissions from Selective Realism, which was last month's topic. It was lovely to have their company. And as always, I learned something from each of them. I hope you'll agree that having community judges is a really interesting part of these podcasts. Do let me know. I must also thank James Young Robert Horribin and Ronald K. Craig for being my editors this month. It's a great way to hone your own haiku skills. So if you'd like to join the team, even if only for one month, let me know. You'll be very welcome. This month, James, Robert and I have been joined by Vandana Parashar. If you haven't sent us your Yugen submission, get cracking. We're looking forward to reading them, but the deadline is the 20th July, the day after this podcast is published. I thought you might be interested to know roughly how many submissions we get per month. I averaged out the last few months and found that we're receiving about 700 poems to read every month, more or less. Inevitably, this means I don't get the replies out as fast as I used to, but if you haven't heard back by the 25th of the month you've submitted, please do send me an email and ask if I received your work. So let's get cracking. I have to start today with an apology to Rose, whose poem I didn't read last month when we were writing our poems to include the season. Truly, my apologies, Rose. With every gust of wind, Bougainvillea peeps at my window. With every gust of wind, Bougainvillea peeps at my window. Rose. Rose. Now I like to read poems each month which have been previously published. Some I've read, some you send to me for consideration. And this month, I have this poem from Debbie Strange. Drought. The kestrel catches a piece of sky. This poem by Debbie was highly commended in the 2018 New Zealand Poetry Society International Competition. Well done, Debbie. Today, I'd like to ask Lynn Jamba to open this section of the podcast, the part where we listen to your original work with her nomination for the judge's choice this month. Welcome to the podcast, Lynn.
1: Thank you very much, Patricia. This has been a real joy. And I thank you so much for this opportunity. I had not an easy time. I think I went down to 20 poems, and then I went down to 15, and then I went down to 10. So it was uh, a labor of love for sure. And my judge's choice is a poem by Bill Fay. Shadowy cliff, a single daisy finds the sunshine. Shadowy cliff. A single daisy finds the sunshine. And I fell in love with this, um, partly because of my own personality. I'm a reasonably cheerful person. But when I started to think about it, I realized there were so many layers to this poem. On the surface, this is a lovely image, contrasting the shadows and the sunshine. Daisies are not exotic, the poem is open for the reader to identify any kind of common daisy variety in their own experience. My experience is usually the white ones with the yellow centers, but there's something like 25 or kinds of daisies. So the poem is open in that interpretation on the surface. It appeals to me, As a personal experience, based on a personal experience of seeing a single flower, perhaps unexpectedly, surviving in the shades, because the cliff, and here is where it got very interesting, the cliff in landscapes and in our life experiences and emotions is a dangerous place. A cliff can drag us down into the mountain valley or the riverscape below. They're apt to slide us into further darkness and shadow outside of our own control. We kind of teeter on the fear that we may not survive if this cliff comes down. The search for experiential or emotional sunshine can be a struggle. The shadows can be overwhelming. My survival may depend on finding the one thing, a spot of light that supports me in the darkness. A flower turns toward the sun as a response to natural processes. So it was really quite fun to do the research into daisies and how they grow in the world. Uh, Quote, unquote, Wikipedia cells absorb more water and elongate turning the face of the flower to the sun. And there was a lot of other Chemical reactions and and detailed scientific analysis of how that happens, but it is a very natural process. Analogously, a person may reinforce the negative or shadowy neural pathways, which don't support physical or mental health. And positive neural pathways may seem at first to be less natural in human nature. The natural action of the daisy suggests otherwise. In this flower, the poem is acting positively, naturally. The poet has expanded the responsibility for locating the bright spot for survival onto the daisy. The poem reminds me that each of us must do the same in order to survive. So as a multi-layered poem, I think I'll continue to read this over and over, but it is definitely my favorite. Thanks so much, Patricia.
0: Thanks, Lynn. Now, before you go, I have a question for you, because you've had a very busy year so far, haiku-wise, anyway. Yes. You're the co-chair of the Haiku North America conference, virtual conference, that's taking place in October this year.
1: Yes, it's October 15th to 17th. When Ann Carter, my co-chair, and I decided to take this on, it was, going, it was pre-pandemic because you do require two years to organize a conference. And then in January of this year, it became a virtual conference according to the, the wishes of the h executive and the practicalities of the pandemic. Now we're in a new environment trying to organize a three-day virtual conference. And even though it's had its moments of trepidation, I am so tickled with the way that things are coming together, both from the presentation side. We have over 30 presentations, either an hour or a half an hour, some music, some diversity, all kinds of wonderful proposals put forward by the international haiku community. And the technical side is actually starting to come together. We are, of course, course, doing a Zoom thing and we are looking for moderators always people to introduce and support our presenters. We are looking for technical support people who will work behind the scenes, turning chat on and off all that sort of thing. But despite all that background stuff, (laughs) we really anticipate an excellent, an excellent opportunity to bring the haiku community together and you know, and stop me if I continue to go on, because I'm very enthusiastic about this project. Uh, I find that the haiku community is so international in scope. And I'm not, I'm saying haiku community, but I mean Japanese short form, whatever. And it has expanded worldwide and we're going to get an opportunity to see and hear people that would never be able to attend a uh, physical conference likely this is the only time that it will ever be a zoom but I, I noticed that some groups are doing zoom components some are not and hna will go back to being a physical uh conference which is a wonderful thing i will give you the email address for registration because of course it is free mm-hmm. www.haikunorthamerica.com All lowercase, no spaces.
0: Well, Lynn, I have already registered and had my confirmation through, so that's good. And um, I will put the web address on the show notes so that if people haven't already registered, they can do so. How long have they got to get their names in front of you?
1: Registration is closed September 15th, so you can do it any time. We are sending out monthly information emails, so the sooner they do it, the better. They'll be more informed and better informed. But they have until September 15th because the conference is October 15th to
0: 17th. Well, thank you, Lynn. You're quite right. We need a lot of positivity right at this moment in time. Let's continue with some more poetry that you've written specially for this month. Thanks, Lynn. Mist clouds, the soft grey of seagulls smacking the water. Kim Russell. Twilight, a fly on the moon daisy. Christine. Bit of a breeze. Bearded tits balancing on reeds. Dorothy Burrows. Empty nest. The owl-shaped wind chime hanging from a bare branch. Robert Whitmer. Robert, there's something terribly satisfying about reading that one. In the garden labyrinth, a long string of slime... Eugenius Zakarski Gentle Breeze. A ginger bee swaying on a catmint spire. Tony Williams. Village well. The tinkle of her bangles after a splash. Tige Sethi. Thunder. Popping in the blue sky, magnolia blossoms, laughing waters. All day I hear the rain-drenched mango tree drip dry, Joe Sebastian. Out of season potted freesias, paying it forward, Dale Bennett. The shore teems in marine life. Dead octopus. Willie R. Boncaron. Passing place on the cemetery road. A squashed frog. Robert Horobin. Whistling past the old cemetery. The ghost of a breeze. Brett Brady Half-veiling the mausoleum, cold sun. Richard Sharma Lantern light, becoming one with the fog. Debbie Strange Glancing at the sky, the clothespin in her teeth, the shape of starlings. Deborah A. Bennett Deborah, I've been trying to write my own haiku about hanging out the washing. I've been trying to write it for ages and nothing comes good. I hope your poem will inspire me to continue. Thank you. A line of hills runs across length of summer sky underlining blue. Jilly Pawson Beyond the swathe cut by the mower The life that struggles to flower Craig Kittner After the rain, the scurry of ants Linda L. Ludwig Losing its grip on the leaf, the raindrop completes its journey Bruce Bynum Under one umbrella, we share nothing but the rain. Alvin Cruz Let me interrupt the podcast to say a few more thank yous. This time for the coffees you bought me in June, which allow me to finance the podcast. I'm saving for a new microphone at the moment. The one I have is starting to cause me problems when it comes to editing and recording. So, thank you so much to E.L. Blizzard, Linda Ludwig, Carol Judkins, Tony Williams, Krista Pandy, Martin Cohen, Jillie Pawson, Christine, Ron Craig, Robert Horribin, Wendy Gent, Lorraine Padden, Kurt Paulish, Jason Furtak, Colette Cox, and Melanie Vance. You helped me to pay for the SoundCloud subscription and to start my microphone fund. Thanks so much. I also received some lovely gifts from two members of our community. Memberships of Yukai Taikai Haiku Society. Not entirely sure how to pronounce that. Hope I didn't make too bad a fist of it. Thank you so much for this treasure. You know who you are. And I also received a beautiful book, Pilgrimage, by Michael Dudley, published by Red Moon Press. Thanks, Michael. It's a book that invites you back to read it time and again. I think you have to come and read to us, Michael. I'll be in touch. But if you can't wait until Michael reads to us, you'll find details of how to buy his book in the show notes. And then there were the postcards, this month from Linda Ludwig and Robert Horribin which I love receiving. Thank you. And I received some lovely pictures of life with the Clevelands from the Haiku Poet podcast. Thanks, Clevelands. I'm one very lucky podcast host. Now, back to your splendid poetry. Evening traffic jam. Ducks swaying across the road. Minal Sarosh. Summer rain, a cloud cat in the puddle. Lakshmi Aya. Loon call, breaking the silence after midnight. Richard Bailey. Back road, a bullet hole guts a deer crossing sign. Kristen Lindquist. White water lilies. At pond's edge, goldfinches rise into the maple. Cheryl Savago Yellow warbler, watching sunlight creep, leaf to leaf. M. Shane Pruitt A frog jumps, lily pad to lily pad, zapping the fly. Catherine E. Winnock A bird lands on the budding branch and takes a shit. Paul Engel. Paul, so simple, it just tickled me, thank you. Kettle Pond. A bullfrog shatters the floating star. Doris Lynch. Koi Pond. The garden gnome missing his rod. Tracy Davidson I think we should make it a tradition to have a garden gnome in every one of our podcasts. I do love them. I have one myself. His name is Norbert. Flat tyre Roadside daisies in the breeze Joshua Gage Cornflowers How these frills mimic those eyes E. L. Blizzard. Wind in the garden. The grass changes her hairstyle. Spring love. Ava Drobner. Head to head. The storm comes thundering in. Wild swimming. James Young. Endless summer. Double dutch rope hitting the hot pavement. Marilyn Ashbaugh. Bougainvillea petals on the streets. Picturesque mural. Akila Siva. Riverbank. An elephant swigs a trunkful of sunshine. Srinivas S. First raindrop traces its path down the opaque window. Mark Ferrar. Spring greens, the upturned beaks of baby birds. J. Friedenberg. Left by last night's rain, an empty sky. Vandana Parashar. Gusty Monday, a gull flies by sideways. Pam Joy. Sudden squall, blurs of black ducks facing the same way. Richard Tice. After rain, millipedes curl up, grabbing damp leaves. Amrutha Prabhu. This might be a good time to stop and hear from our second community judge this month. Welcome to the podcast, Steve Ullum. Steve, I know you've been traveling a great deal this month, so I'm really happy that you had time to read all the submissions and decide on your nomination. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you for having me on and allowing me to read such uh, excellent poetry. There are so many wonderful submissions. My choice this month was a poem from Ronald K. Craig, Ivy climbs the mailbox post, long-awaited news. Ivy climbs the mailbox post, long-awaited news. I chose this poem because it was very simple, uh, but a very deep sketch from life. We've all waited for something at one point or another, and this moment, this truth of waiting, just climbed towards me off the page like the, the ivy vine at the center of it. The poem starts very simply. One word, two sounds in the first line, a direct observation, ivy, without any other adornment. Then we see what the ivy is doing in the next line, which is climbing up the mailbox Directly leads to the next line, long awaited news. Language is simple, focused on a very small part of the landscape, both an observation of na- nature outside and of human nature, waiting. What news are they waiting for? How long has it been? The ivy climbing even suggests that the person waiting has quit performing small chores as they waited, letting the ivy take over the post. The reader can easily find themselves in the state of waiting, and waiting seems worse when it is lonely. The scene in this haiku seems just like that. Just ivy, a mailbox post, and nothing else. It evoked a sense of a rural lane with nothing much else around. I feel expect the expected news had the potential for sadness, but there's a bit of mystery about that. And there's also mystery in that we don't definitively know what season it is. It could be spring from the growing ivy, or it could be autumn as the ivy has had time to climb. I think the ambiguity there matches the ambiguity of waiting for the news and not knowing what that news is. As also appreciative of the euphony, the ivy climbs, the male and the waited, the box and long, helped reinforce the image of ivy climbing as the poem climbed from one line to the next with the sounds so given the emotional connection and the observance of a simple scene the climbing and winding of the vine and the poem the sounds it just all tied together very nicely for me i just really like this poem
0: thanks steve i actually haven't noticed the ambiguity of the seasons till you pointed it out i think reading it i just assumed it was autumn and it had that autumnal sadness about it. Uh, not, not just because of the climbing ivy, but because of the long awaited news. And I just felt that long awaited news had sort of a, a bad vibe about it somehow. But I guess what we'll do is we'll ask Ronald what, <laughs> what season it's in and see, see, see what he says. Cheers, Steve. Now back to the poetry. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Now I did ask Ron which season had he been thinking of when he wrote his poem and I know the answer and so do the judges and I'll put the answer in the show notes but what season did you put that poem in? I'd be interested to know and I'll pass those views on to Ron and Steve. Cool moon, first date's kiss among shivering leaves. Anna Yin. Ooze of mud between the toes. Iris, Alison Douglas Turner. A dewdrop on the rose thorn, what holds it there? Nina Singh. Plodding the towpath, the old nag nods her head, and I must agree, John Hawkhead. Beyond the mountains, hidden in the bamboo trees, a panda bear sleeps, Andrew Markowski. Walking path amongst the rounded rocks, a turtle lost. Rob McKinnon. Outdoor dining. A fluttering monarch crashes the party. Jackie Chow. The last flicker of Dad's cigar. Duskfall. David He. Returning home, the keys in his pocket. Heavy again. David Oates. A bright star above the church domes. Stillness. Natalia Kuznetsova. Humming lullabies, petals falling, one by one. Liron Kazmarek. Picturesque from afar, smooth stone ankle attacks, steep mountain trail, Wayne Kingston. Physiotherapy, the colours of clouds on the way home, Giddy Nielsen Sweep. Summit view, still seeking the moon. Ravi Kiran. Sultry night. Car tyres screeching by the window. Daniela Miso. Layers of dust on the mantelpiece, an unsolved puzzle. Arvind Kaur. Licking the gravy spoon. Taste of tarnish. Roberta Beach Jacobson. Cold beer in the sweltering heat, sweating. Christina Chin. Weekend guests, the scent of their salt in the beach towels. Ron Scully. Winter sunlight, a glass full of water. Martin Gottlieb Cohen. Swirling the moon in a pond reflection. White wine glass breaks. Pat Gier. Across a graveyard of felled trees, distant blue hills. El Forest. I'm just going to stop for a minute in the reading of these accomplished pieces of work just to remind you that this month's editors, Jim, Robert and Vandana are nearly at the end of reading your submissions for Hugin so if you've sent them already, great but if you haven't, you literally have one more day left before the submission period is over. The deadline is the 20th of July, 2021. I have to say, what I've really enjoyed reading in this month's submissions is the fruit of all the work we've been doing this year on the various topics. Selective realism, seasons, euphony, it's all there. And it gives me a warm, tingly feeling that we've been doing these sort of educational podcasts and videos at Poetry P this year. Which reminds me, I was a bit late putting the prompt for this month on the YouTube channel, but it's there now. Do go along and have a look, write some haiku, put it in the comment box, and of course comment on other people's work. Because it's a real boost to other people to have a little bit of love given to them. And their work. And as we're at the end of one submission period, well, very nearly, it's almost time to start thinking of the next one place names. And of course, Richard Tice gave us a workshop in series four, episode 13, about place names. And he's back again in the next podcast to give us some contemporary examples which I hope will inspire your submissions next month. Looking forward to that already. And so back to the poetry. Sturgeon Moon, swimmers body surf the tidal bore. Michael Dudley. Lonely village, the bells echo and me, leaving it together. Sam Kreutz The Moon a single headlight on a lonely road Eve Castle Nestled between the mountains, the trekker carves her name on the stone Pretty Kula Beach umbrellas open one by one Garage Sale Melanie Vance. First fishing trip. Learning how not to feel guilty. Hooking a worm. Douglas J. Lanzo. Summer wildflowers. A stray black-eyed Susan holds its ground. Deborah P. Colocci. Doing nothing. A blackbird lands on my lap. P. H. Fisher. After tea picking, Pea Berry her first sip of flavor. S. Ratamani. Sand transformation. Surprise and joy in a child's soul. Editor, Stryzenkova. Empty crossroads. Red light, green light. Mark Gilbert. The ocean takes care of its shore. CX Turner. Sonorous, the blackbird's tail beating time. Mike Gallagher. Twilight train, barefooted children run out to wave. Mimi Ahern. Ballet moves. In sync with waves, two dolphins. Devashruti Mandal. Transplanted to the city from her family farm. Bluebells. Nick Hoffman. Sandalwood fragrance, the inaudible rustle of her kimono. Paul Callas. An ochre dawn awakens a cuckoo's drowsy song. Anjali Wahapande. Playroom, the kitten shakes off his tiara. Alex Fife Twirling pen between her fingers. Scattered words. Zara Mukis To close the podcast this month, let's welcome our final judge to tell us their nomination. Welcome, Alex. Alex Fife If you look at Alex's bio on the website, you'll read that he admits to starting his poet's journey by writing a terrible quatrain to a school crush. But if you're familiar with his work, you'll know it was onwards and upwards from there. However, Alex, I have to say, you've given me an idea for next year. Perhaps one month we'll have uh, a topic of our most embarrassing haiku. (laughs) Thank you for that. Anyway, Alex, tell us who have you nominated and why?
3: I, I Thank you, Patricia, uh, for letting me on the podcast um, and let me read all of these really great selections. Uh, this is the one that I chose. Coastal Fog, The Bridge Cut in Half. Coastal Fog, The Bridge Cut in Half by Carol Judkins. Uh, everything about this poem is aesthetically pleasing. Immediately it conjures up An image, in my mind, it's a black and white photograph of a bridge vanishing halfway across the frame into dense fog. And every part of the poem reinforces that image. The bridge stands by itself on line two, connecting the fragment to the phrase. All three lines are roughly the same length, despite the average haiku having a longer second line, which suggests that the fog itself is the white space on the page just right to the text obscuring the bridge's length. The stress of bridge is followed by the stress of cut, the line effectively breaking apart at the only section of the poem with two stresses back to back. Lines one and three are both three syllables long following the same stressed, unstressed, stressed pattern, leaving line two, the bridge, as the shortest spoken line, further emphasizing the incompleteness of the bridge itself. I also appreciate the alliteration in coastal fog and cut in half, making the two lines kind of mirror each other, starting with hard Cs and containing F sounds in the final words, fog and half. But beyond all of these aesthetic choices, there's plenty to read into the poem symbolically. Bridges tend to represent change, passage from one place in life to another. But this bridge is half hidden in heavy fog leading into unknown. It resonates well with someone uncertain about where they may be headed in life or afraid of some coming change. Fog obscures everything and it can lead us into danger if we're not especially careful. The bridge being effectively cut in half also implies that maybe there is no path forward. That the bridge itself may not exist farther than the eye can see. At least for the speaker, there's reason to doubt that an attempt at change will lead anywhere at all. This poem, I think, is a prime example of the haiku form, the structure, the sound, and the selective framing of the imagery all work together to create a mysterious atmosphere of uncertainty and doubt. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Alex. I have to say, yes, there is a certain amount of. Again, with mysteriousness about this one and would do quite well in next month's topic for uh, the Ugin topic as well and I was really when I read your choice I was actually on holiday sitting looking out over the balcony and watching what I hadn't seen before a coastal fog roll in off the Mediterranean Sea into inland never seen it before so it, it was um, it was quite apposite when it came through thank you I have no role unless we can't agree in in picking the, the final winner, the final judge's choice. But every time I listen to the commentaries and this week, this month has been no different. I think how on earth am I going to choose if I have to use my executive powers on this one? So I have to say thank you so much to all our judges this month, each of them taking time out of their busy schedules to read all the successful submissions and make a considered choice, but as I said, their work is not finished. After I return, turn the recording off, we're going to debate which will be the judge's choice and which will be the honorable mentions. And you can find out what our conclusions were when the summer journal is published. I'm aiming for September, so keep your fingers crossed. So thank you, judges, once again, my new haiku friends. Thank you. Now, as we come to the close of today's podcast, I have lots of jobs for you to do. If you choose to do them, of course. Don't forget to register for the Haiku North America conference. It would be lovely if we could all meet up there and have a great haiku time. Also, very quickly you have time to send your submissions of Yugen for the podcast before the 20th. Last and not least, head to the Poetry P YouTube channel and write some haiku or senryu for this month's prompt. All details are on the show notes. In the next podcast, Richard Tice continues his workshop on place names. It's not as easy as you might think you know. And we have a lovely reading from David J. Kelly from his Touchstone-nominated book, Small Hadron Divider. See you soon for more haiku and senryu, but until then, keep writing! If there's anything missing, do email me and let me know. Ciao!